0: A number of you have mentioned to me in the individual meetings how helpful some of Joseph's suggestions uh, around practice and attitudes and different approaches we might use. And particularly a number of people have mentioned this uh, image he used of creating a bigger frame around experience. i have this my own sort of language of that that seems to work for me is the sense of of taking like a half step back and allowing the the field of attention or awareness to get larger sort of stepping away from being Enthralled by, entangled with what's happening, and just knowing it's like this, you could say. Even those words are kind of can be helpful. It's like this right now. It's the way Ajahn Sumedho, great right? beloved teacher in the Thai forest tradition. He has a there's a book that's came out a long time ago now. There was just a collection of teachings and talks of his, maybe answers to questions, called The Way It Is. He would often say, this is the way it is right now, or it's like this. The teachings in The Third Foundation of Mindfulness to me, have a direct relationship to this sense of creating a bigger frame, or at least I, I find I can see it that way, and, and it's a, such a, a powerful, practical teaching in my experience. So I wanted to say a few words about it at the start of this sitting, in case it might be useful for you. And I didn't, I don't have the the sutta here this is in response to a question that came in to say something about it but the, it's one of the shortest of the of the four sections the four parts of the satipatthana sutta the Discourse on the Establishment of Mindfulness, the third one is citta, chitta nupasana, contemplation of the mind. <coughs> citta gata sati, mindfulness gone to the mind, mind gone, mindfulness. And in the first part, it's very simple. One knows the mind affected by the energies of wanting, greed, of aversion, resistance, or of delusion. One knows the mind affected by wanting or lust or craving, desire, and one knows the mind unaffected by that. One knows the mind affected by aversion, resistance. And one knows the mind that is unaffected by that. One knows the mind affected by delusion, confusion, and one knows the mind that is not affected. You could just look right now. Is the mind affected? Have these energies arisen? Are they present? Are they not present? What it doesn't say is to take, take it all really personally and get really worked up about it. And use it as ammunition, the presence of them as ammunition against yourself in some way. Or to start struggling or fighting with the mind, the heart. That's not there. One simply knows it's like this. This is here. This is not here. I had a very powerful experience of this and it relates to this idea of creating a bigger frame. I was doing a self-retreat at home and, and there was a lot of mindfulness and I was aware that the mind was at a scattered, not very collected quality there. It seemed... There was a lot of restless, wandering thoughts and restless feeling. And I wanted it to be nice and calm and collected. Because that's... I like that better. (laughs) And so uh, there was mindfulness, I noticed. It's like this. But there was this dissatisfaction and there was an agitation, however subtle, not that subtle, in the mind. And at some point I remembered, oh, my job isn't to try to fix this or make it be somehow better, different, My job is just to know it's like this. And so there was this sort of stepping back. And immediately all, there were just no problems, no struggle. Everything of that kind just fell away in that half step back. Oh, I don't have to get all upset about this. I just have to know it's like this. Because all my efforts to try to correct the way it was. I mean, great. If that works, it just didn't work. It usually doesn't work. It usually adds to the problem, in my experience. But we have this possibility. So in that moment, I went from this sort of agitated, more constricted mm, Place, to a place where there was, I couldn't have found a problem if I wanted it. All of that fell away. And the mind was still doing what it was doing, but it was held within a bigger frame. Because part of that, that teaching is one knows a mind that is concentrated, one knows a mind that is not concentrated. In my story about myself, it wasn't concentrated. I wanted it to be concentrated. I couldn't force it to be the way I wanted it to be, but I could step back and say, oh, it's like this. And the struggle and the problems fell away immediately. Just like from one mind moment to the next. So the This kind of reflection. So more in that sutta, it says one knows the mind that is affected by restlessness and agitation. It's like this. One knows a mind affected by dullness. One knows a mind that is open and great and wide. And one knows a mind that is narrow and constricted. or you could say affected by these energies, that these energies are there, the qualities are there. They've arisen out of conditions. They'll pass away when those conditions change. But we have this possibility to, to take this step back to, in Joseph's words, to settle back, make the frame a bit bigger. And the cool thing is we can always make it a little bigger There's no sort of end to that possibility, as far as I can tell. And so a good time to bring some reflection like this in to the heart is if you notice that you're in contention with what's happening that you're somehow struggling with what's going on, with what's arising as you sit in meditation or at any point during a day of practice. There's often some way in which we're not actually acknowledging the way it is we're caught up in in trying to get it to be the way we want it to be. And, you know, spend a little time trying to fix it. Change it if you can into something that seems more useful. But often that's that's not going to yield the results we want. But you can then step back. Oh, okay. What's my job here? My job as a meditator, as a practitioner, is to know how it is. And you may find that it shifts things dramatically. And that struggle and and stress in that moment fall away. <clears throat> that we can come back to a place of greater balance and ease. So I offer this reflection now and we can sit quietly and and trust the power of mindfulness to meet whatever arises. And remind ourselves that we can learn what we're interested in learning from anything that arises. We don't have to like it. It doesn't have to be pleasant. We just have to know it's like this. This is the way it is right now. We have this tradition, Uh, many of us, when we sit in the hall together, at the end of a period of meditation, we put our hands in this Anjali mudra and, and make a little gesture. I noticed many of you doing that. I noticed Brian couldn't see Matthew. I saw myself doing it. And I was... I brought my awareness to that this morning. And I, there may be times when I just do it because that's what you do. But I was thinking of this gesture of respect and and we bow maybe to others, maybe because the Buddha statue is, is up at the front here and we're facing that way. Maybe it's what that symbolizes for us and maybe maybe we might have a sense that we're bowing to ourselves I hope that's in there somewhere this gesture of respect and the longer I, I practice I notice I have an increased respect for for two things not just two things but for the kind of um the magnitude of our undertaking. You know, if it was easy, we would be done and would have gone home by now. <laughs> and some of us have been dedicated practitioners for a long time. And and we should be done, right? <laughs> so if, it were, if we're all just about our our effort in some some traditional sort of way of, of measuring that then, then we'd say well we're just not very good at it or something <laughs> <laughs> and that wouldn't be fair So, and you know we have these times when it seems like we have these glimpses of freedom, sometimes we open into a profound state of balance of mind no struggle even possible even if we wanted it for some wacky reason and then and then we see the mind get caught up again in in some way or we see that fade away it doesn't last and so you know the the power of our conditioning, you could say it's one way to look at it is strong, and you know there's this this image of the wheel of samsara rolling on since beginningless time, and it's hard to get off of it I hope you're not this isn't taking you down. <laughs> <laughs> into some place of futility that's not my point but but I have such respect for all of us and and we need to find you know Brian started off the retreat with this early on i don't know fairly early not the first talk but about um falling in love with the practice i think we have to fall in love with the practice to keep going so i have this huge respect for the the power of our conditioning and the magnitude of our undertaking and I also have noticed this growing respect for anyone who would undertake that endeavor because it's not in some ways you could say the easy choice So it takes real strength of heart and sincerity and um, a lot of goodness in that. It's worthy of respect. So when you do this in the morning, bring, see if you can bring, make sure you're bowing to your own uh, deep goodness and the beauty of your practice, your intention to do it at all. See if you can make sure you bow to that at least a little bit. Because it's uh, a beautiful thing. And it's a beautiful gift to the world. You know, We often talk about practicing, dedicating our practice, and practicing for the benefit of others. And we can make that intentional, and it's a good thing too. But it's a gift whether we make it intentional or not. It can't not be that. To whatever degree we bring qualities of wisdom and love forward into our minds, therefore into our hearts, therefore into the world, that ripples out in ways that we might not be able to see directly, but that's a a beautiful thing to do and worthy of our respect. So I hope you can find that sometimes. I want to say just a couple more words about the uh, third establishment of mindfulness, mindfulness, chitta, nupasana, mindfulness of mind, or mind heart, you might combine those. There's this um, aspect of it where one notices if the energy of wanting, desire, craving is present, equal emphasis noticing if it's not present, or you could say the presence of non-greed. And we have to make a little extra effort to notice when these things are not there, because we don't tend to look in that way so much. And in, in some views, the, there's the implied understanding that in the absence of craving, grasping, wanting, then its wholesome uh, counterpart is, is there, that there's a, a quality of uh, openness and you could say a generosity of heart. That in the absence of ill will, there's goodwill. And it might be very quiet. It might not be somehow this fountain of goodwill. It might be very quiet. But look and see. See if that might be true. In the absence of confusion, maybe there's clarity. Clear seeing. I guess I have time for a question or two. Here's one that I think we pointed to, but I I wanna, let's hear, I'll, I'll offer some reflections. I understand intellectually there is nothing to want, but what about desires such as I want to uproot anger? this points to something that can feel like uh, lead to this kind of question a confusion or you know, or Joseph, his thing is one of his reflections was that which is subject to arising will pass away therefore there is nothing to want and yet none of us would be here if we didn't want something (laughs) we, you know, we're interested in transformation, aren't we? We're interested in, in deepening our understanding in order to free the mind and heart. We might express that in all kinds of ways. We're interested in greater ease in our lives. We're interested in, in freedom in some way. And we, if, we, if I said, let's all, if I took some sort of survey, you would speak about it in different ways. But, but the movement of heart is, is the same. And so there's this, this wholesome energy of uh, dhamma chanda. Chanda is this just sort of energy to, to do or accomplish. You could translate it as desire, wanting to do. So desire for the Dhamma. So we, we could say, you know, interested in, in uprooting anger. Maybe, maybe we need to be a little careful with some of these things, because you know, we can get kind of personal about it. I, I need to uproot my anger. To somehow get rid of it, or chop that off, or <laughs> dig it out. Uprooting sounds like I got to get a, a tool and start digging, find the roots, and that sounds a little. Um, there might be something problematic in that, because we can. We can turn this into almost a kind of cruelty towards ourselves at times. That digging, have to uproot it. But there is something wholesome in there because we might see, you know, this this is um, a root cause of suffering in a certain way of looking at things. There's there's a way that I see anger operating in my life that leads to suffering for myself and, and suffering and harm in the world. And so wanting to... Um, change how our change our lives in that regard is is wholesome and beautiful this wanting to understand. So maybe it's not so much that we're going to uproot it but um, you know wisdom understands and through understanding these things are transformed. I thought it was very beautiful that Joseph saying we could see uh, some of these energies as messengers, so there's times when anger is a messenger that says there's something wrong here, there is injustice, and there's something to do about that so I think we we need to make some we need to some care with with the way we use language sometimes when we need to say. Therefore, there's nothing to want. And Maybe that's more because uh, this word chanda is just—it's just energy. It's kind of neutral and pure. But there's there's what's called kama chanda. I think one of us has spoken to this. Kama, not kama, which is uh, the, the Pali word for karma, which means action, and that's a whole other subject. But kama is. Uh, Sense pleasure, you could say. So desire for sense pleasures. And there's not something wrong with that. But it's seeing that that's not a... Seeking sense pleasure, hopefully, is at least a little obvious to us, some of the time, once in a while, is not a strategy for lasting happiness because they don't last. Because of their nature to pass away, and so we'd say, "Well, that just—we're just seeing, you know—it's—it's not going to get me where I want to go." Someone once said, "The practice is uh, advanced common sense," (laughs) and I think we just expand our our view of what you know when it—it just doesn't makes sense to pursue something that is isn't going to last as a strategy for 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 contentment in a in a lasting way something that is just is disappearing doesn't mean there's something wrong with that or that we don't enjoy pleasures that we never can a- enjoy pleasures or pleasant sensations or any of that, that's not what it's about. So much more that could be said, but I have an announcement that I want to um, really make sure that you hear this. And I'm going to say please, but um, I really mean you to to, to not, um, not leave, so this is a request, that you do not leave notes for one another that you, if you have something that you're concerned about, especially concerned about with one of your your fellow retreatants here, that you write a note to the teachers or perhaps to the, the manager and sign that note so then we can, or bring it up in a practice discussion, but don't leave a note on someone's cushion or chair or on the bulletin board for them even if it's something you think would be really helpful, please don't do this. It's The impact of it is... You, you may, may be born of <laughs> good intention, but the impact is something completely different. So um, I'm going to really ask that you hear this. Okay? Thank you. And then um, one other thing is... Um, Matthew and I are going to take advantage of there being a uh, larger room available that I can use this morning and um, and we did, we just discovered oh he could he could sit in on some of my practice discussions, practice meetings. So if that's okay with you, that would be great and a real uh, generous gener- act of generosity and it's fine to um, say no I'd rather not. Not have, and I would rather have it just be the with you, Greg, with the two of us, so um just to know and we'll so we'll be in uh, Brian's room, which is two o four I was thinking it was Joseph's room because Joseph did his in his meetings in there for so long, <laughs> so many years, and I've made a note of it on on or Matthew made a note for for us on on my list um, to remind us. Okay, gang, that's what Joseph says whenever he's walking up. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.